Hello, Interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your Dungeon Master, Joe, which, for our audio listeners, I look like I'm always in a dungeon anyway. And we're going to be talking about D&D today. So, uh... Oh, yeah, who are you? Uh, I'm Ryan. Welcome to another a episode level, of... J- level 1 noob. <laughs> you're, you're getting the hang of it already. Welcome to another episode of Joe Explains, the segment where I try to convince Ryan or you to give something a try, or otherwise give you an uninitiated rundown on whatever. Sorry, otherwise give you uninitiated a rundown on whatever. This week I'm covering D&D and tabletop RPGs in general. From this extreme long shot, we move into our medium shot. So Ryan, what's your history with D&D as a game, and how dead set are you on playing it or not playing it? No history except for Stranger Things, and more recently, the Quarter Digital series on their website. Uh, it looks really fun. I want to play it since I have dice set, so it's not going to take much convincing, but uh, could be more convincing if if you know. I just all I know about it is that it's a fun game that has really complicated, not well, not really complicated, but can be quite complicated stats tracking but also kind of an improv game as well if you think about it sometimes where you can literally do anything so that interests me so uh yeah i am yeah. open to playing cool i've been interested in D forever it's one of those things you hear about your entire life just through osmosis oh what's this dungeons and dragons thing that's that game nerds play in their basements that's Okay, like, what? what's this? I'm a nerd. I have a basement. Let's try it out. Uh, but I didn't know anything about it. Uh, so many years ago when I first wanted to try and find out something about it, I looked up on YouTube, as one does, and I found this channel called Geek and Sundry where this guy named Matt Mercer was explaining how to play the game. He called them uh, GM tips or whatever. And I had zero idea who Matt Mercer was or what he did. He was just a guy with piercing, beautiful eyes, a confident demeanor, and a soothing voice (laughs) that hooked me in from video one. And I just, I couldn't help but listening to him. I did not know, for those of you who don't know, Matt Mercer is the game master for Critical Role, a.k.a. the most popular D&D game on the internet. It's like they write a whole bunch of their own original material. They basically started the idea of live streaming D&D on the internet. They're, and they're also just a bunch of talented voice actors as well. So they already had some brand recognition. You probably have seen a lot of their work or at least seen some of them anyway. Uh, so Matt Mercer's videos brought me down the rabbit hole of Dungeons & Dragons. First time I ever tried to play myself was New Year's 2017, 2018. Uh, a couple of us got together and Justin GM that game. Uh, by the way, I should probably say GM is Game Master. Um, and the, there's Game Master or Dungeon Master. But Dungeon Master is just for Dungeons and Dragons. There are other uh, games like it, which I'll get into. And they call themselves GMs for those games. Anyway. So on this New Year's Adventure 2017-2018, 
we had zero idea what we were doing. None of us had ever played before. And that game ran for 12 hours straight. It was a very intense New Year's party. Ah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Where'd you find the time? <laughs> I think we played from about 2 in the afternoon till 2 in the morning. We were just there all day doing this thing. That kind of sounds like fun. Oh yeah, it was great because we had zero idea what we were doing. We were just making it up as we went along and it was a one-shot adventure with zero stakes. We never continued that story. But we had fun. It was memorable. Uh, we were terrible at it. It should not have, for what we accomplished in 12 hours, it should not have taken near that long. Our first combat, going, our first combat from the starter set took ordered us. pizza. Hmm? I'm going to assume you ordered pizza. We may have had pizza or I think we had Chinese that night. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, it, it took us about an hour just to get through our first combat, which is bad considering it's the starter set and we're just fighting little goblins. <laughs> <laughs> like it was abysmal in every way. But anyway, we didn't play again for months after that. And the second one was more fun. Justin had honed his skills a little bit more. He had a bit more prep as the game master. And we were all a bit more experienced at this point. We'd done a bit more research. This went a lot better. But then that group fell apart pretty quickly uh, for social reasons. Long story short, Justin and I, uh, our, our girlfriends were both part of the group and we both broke up with them. And then the other one was just like friends with one of the, it was bad. It all, it all got messed <laughs> up. Uh, anyway, now Justin and I are with a new group. I've uh, been running our first campaign for about a year. Justin's just a player this time, but he does want a game master at some point. I, I do as well. I still haven't tried it myself anyway. I'm far from an expert on the subject of D&D, but I know enough to explain the basics. So. Forgive me in advance if I don't know stuff. And uh, let's get into our close-up now. I'll give you my little spiel to explain the basics here, and then we'll get into your questions. So, are you down for satanic rituals, fun for the whole family? Then D&D is not for you, despite what you may have heard. Dungeons & Dragons is what's known as a TTRPG, tabletop role-playing game. And the premise is simple. You and your friends cooperatively use your imaginations to solve puzzles, create memorable hijinks, fight bad guys, and craft emotionally resonant stories which you'll never forget. It's like when you and your friends played make-believe as kids, except it's socially acceptable pastime for all ages. No experience is necessary, you don't have to be good at games, and you don't need to be especially creative, though all those things help. You begin by crafting your own character an adventurer whose special skills make them a cut above average folks. Maybe they're an expert archer or sword wielder. Perhaps they dabble in the mystical arts, or they're just really strong or smart. Whoever they are, where they come from, and why they adventure is entirely up to you. Feel free to steal from your favorite characters for inspiration, or play some version of yourself, or pretend to be someone entirely of your own creation. Any options are valid, so long as you're having fun. Your game master will set the stage for your adventure, describe where you begin and with whom you keep company. They might give you some hints for where to go or what to do, but it's entirely your choice. Would you like to go straight to a mission, speak with local townspeople, 
commit crimes, visit the library to study your craft, become a mass murderer, get a job. The possibilities are endless. Just remember, you can do whatever you want, but every action has consequences. That crime you committed? Maybe you get caught, wind up in prison. That local townsperson you spoke with? Maybe they'll become your lover or your enemy down the line. That job you get? It could lead to glory or your demise. Just like life, you need to know for sure. You don't know for sure what's around the corner, but use your best judgment. And that's the game in a nutshell. A series of decisions and consequences based on your and your friends' choices. Literally anything can happen, and no two games are ever alike. Your story can one run for one session, or it can go for 40 years like the record-holding game. So... 40 uh, years? 40 years and counting. I think it's over oh 500... Pl- God. I think over 500 players have been in and out over the time, and the guy, the guy started when he was a teenager, and he's still going. So. Wow. It's like the same storyline, or...? Yep, same storyline. Some characters have been in the game from the very beginning, and they pop back in on occasion. Like, this can be a lifelong thing if, you're, if it's good enough. Damn. Or, once, or it can run for a day, and you'll never get together with that group again. It, like, any possibilities can happen with this game. <laughs> that, huh. tends to, that tends to be what happens most of the time with this game, though, is people get together with the best of intentions to play, and they'll play for a little while, and then things will allowed. Yeah, things fizzle out because, like you said, life hits them or maybe they lose interest. Maybe the game wasn't as fun as it could be. And there's all kinds of reasons for that, right? It could be down to maybe your game master just sucks. Uh, We'll get into some reasons later why game masters can ruin their own game. Maybe the players just aren't that fun. Maybe the friend group was really fragile to begin with. Or once again, you could be playing for forty years with these same people. It it completely depends. Um, but what I will say to you though is, if you're in one of those groups that's had a very bad experience with D and D, try playing with another group, whether it's a community group or another group of friends. Because some people have bad experiences with D and D early on, and they just never play again because of it, which is a real shame. Because no two groups are alike, no two games are alike. If you had a bad experience in one place, you could have the time of your life in another. So it's definitely worth giving a second shot if your first wasn't up to par. Um, so I, I got to say up top here, uh, good if, I say, if I say any terms unfamiliar to you or something you feel could use further <laughs> explanation, let me know. I'll, I'll go ding ding best. ding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sorry, just have a have a little just have a little bell. Ding. You said a word I don't know. It's gonna be half of I was looking for a fucking notebook because I was literally going to write shit down. I don't know where Just it is. watch close up with Ryan and Joe on YouTube, anywhere you get your favorite <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I gotta watch the video I recorded. Yeah. Ryan is currently oh off camera looking for a notebook. And I've anyway. got to cover for him for the next few seconds. Till he gets back. It's so dark. This went very badly for me already. He walked out on me. I didn't even get a chance to 
No, I have interest. Tell him much more. He just... He doesn't care about this game. You can hear me and I can hear you. <laughs> it's like Is I'm it speaking hiding? to a void. Oh my god, Joe. I have legit no idea where it is. Six minutes later. Oh my god. Found it. Holy shit. So sorry about that. Well, Ryan has just demonstrated rule number one of D&D. Be prepared. So a quick list of things you I might want to... A quick list of things you might want to bring to every session. Uh, number one, a notebook. Number two, your player's handbook. Number three, your dice. And number four, most importantly, snacks. I'll break down these <laughs> in sequence here. Uh, so the first thing about bringing a notebook, uh, notebooks aren't essential to bring to D&D games, but they are, um, your party will appreciate them. You know, people who take detailed notes are fantastic because once you're playing the game for a really long time, there's a lot of details that get hard to remember. You know, you can't remember the names of everybody you met, the names of towns or NPCs or uh, non-playable characters or anything that might be important. You might write down this vague piece of information that comes to play like 10 sessions later or months after the fact. These games, like I said, can run for years sometimes. And sometimes the very end will reference things that happen near the start. Like, it's always good to keep good notes. If even just to remind yourself what's happening. Uh, a lot of people don't write notes. They get confused. So everyone's grateful for the guy who does take notes. Uh, that's my job in my group. I, my notes are extremely detailed. I basically write, I go overboard and write entire chapters like five to ten pages in character, recounting everything like a novel form. And then I sometimes turn them into audiobooks for my group too because they, they, they love to hear those. It entertains them, it recaps them, refreshes their memory on stuff. Uh, other people do take notes at the table as well, but uh, a little bit more sporadic. So yeah, notes are important. Second, player's handbook here, which is a core thing of the game. It's not, once again, strictly necessary. It is a bit of capital investment. Uh, they're not sponsoring us or anything, but it, it is about <laughs> 60 bucks Canadian, 50 US. Um, Bam! Every D&D &D player ought to have this book, though. There's a lot of other D&D &D books you don't need. You don't need, you know, Dungeon Master's Guide or Monster Manual or any of the expansions. Nothing like that. But the Player's Handbook is pretty important, if only because it's a really quick reference guide for the basic abilities of your character and class or, or, uh, or background as well, your, your race, the prices of different items and equipment, basic rules, how to use certain mechanics or magic. It's got a list of your spells, tells you what they all do. It's, it's a very handy reference guide and what we like to do in my group is we put sticky notes 
in our uh, in the pages that are most applicable to us. So right here, I've got a page dedicated to my um, ranger level up abilities, uh, expenses, just for things at the shop. Like, okay, this is how much a cup of coffee costs. Uh, spell descriptions, and I have one also labeled for gods of the multiverse, just you know for research purposes. And uh, dice, like I said, these are the most important thing to bring. 100% bring this. Yep. So if you've never played D&D before, you have all different kinds of dice. Maybe, you're, uh, maybe you played board games before, so you'd probably know the, the D6. That's the classic set of dice you'd find everywhere. But you've also got a D4, D8, D10, D12, D20. And what's called a percentile dice, which has, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 on them. Uh, you'll almost never use that one. Your best friend is the D20. This is the dice you are going to use for basically everything in the game. Um, except for damage pretty well. But everything you'll ever do, any decision you make is basically decided by the rule of a dice. Your game master will say, okay, give me a check for that. And you'll take your dice, you'll roll it, you take your number. And when you make your character, you'll have all these ability stats on the side of the page. Which, if you have questions about this, we can get into some of the minutiae later. But every ability check you'll have has a, has a plus next to it. Plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four, plus five. Plus five is the highest it goes. So what you would do is you take your d20 plus the number for each ability. So let's say I'm trying to make, make an argument. I'm arguing with somebody. And, uh, and I'll, I'll say, okay, I, uh, I'm arguing with this guy and I, want to, and I want to persuade him. Okay, so you can, you can act this out, sure. You try, to, try to talk uh, just for the fun of it. But your DM will say, okay, give me a persuasion rule. So you'll take your dice, you roll it. I just rolled a 15. And the modifier on my sheet right now, uh, because I have some ability scores, the my character has a plus eight in persuasion. So you do eight plus 15, 23. And then the game master will take a look at their chart and they'll say, okay, what roughly would it take for this character to be persuaded? And uh, if it... If it's above what they think is necessary, congratulations, you persuaded him. If not, oops, you're out of luck. So there's all different kinds of checks you can make. I'll just run down the list quick here. There's acrobatics, animal handling, arcana, athletics, deception, history, insight. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's arcana? Arcana is like magic. Uh, I, I ah. think I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what it is. I, I've never used it personally, but it's like your ability with magical lore, basically, I think like how gotcha, much do you gotcha. know about magic? Uh, so what else? Yeah. History, insight, intimidation, investigation, medicine, nature, perception, performance, persuasion, religion, sleight of hand, stealth and survival. Uh, he can also make you take a, um, there's other things you can do uh, as well, but those are the, those are the core ones. So every action you take 
sometimes the, your game master will just let you do stuff, do whatever. You're like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll allow it. You don't need to make a roll for that. But it's up to the discretion of the guy in charge, basically. So the guy in charge will have uh, their own set of rules for what they... Um, some people don't even like rules. Some people just let you do what you want if it makes sense, you know? That's how every table's different. It's really about who you have in charge. Um, which I can get more into later for the Game Master. But, uh, oh yeah, so the last most important thing is snacks for in-person sessions. Uh, at my table, we do a, a potluck sort of thing. I say it helps build teamwork, sharing. Your party's all in it together, gotta work together. So, may as well contribute to the table as well. Sometimes our sessions run for six, seven hours. So we usually, you know, we usually all have dinner together, bring a bunch of snacks. Sometimes we all chip in for a bunch of pizzas or whatever. D&D is a bit of a time commitment sometimes, which is great if you're enjoying yourself. But be prepared for that. (laughs) Take some breaks. Stay hydrated. You know, it's not a sport, but it is a marathon. Yeah, that's a good um, word that I can't remember. Metaphor. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. It's late. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I think good practices, uh, another important thing to remember, speaking of teamwork here, an important thing about D&D to remember is you are not the main character. Everybody is. Your entire party is the important thing here. Of course, you've got your story as your character. You've got your own motivations and goals that you're trying to achieve. You won't always agree with your party. Sometimes you'll want to go your own way. Sometimes what you do will screw everybody over. Sometimes you'll be the, uh, the dark horse candidate who, who like, you'll, you'll be the... Well, you'll, you'll be the reason things succeed. You won't always be the best team player, depending on the character. Because um, not every person plays well with others. Sometimes it's fun to role play that you're not always the best team player. But you're not the main character. And that's... So don't be that guy who overpowers everybody else at the table all the time. Maybe you're a loudspeaker. Maybe you're more outgoing than some of the Shire players at your character, but try to give everybody a chance to speak, to contribute, to feel like a badass, do something cool. Um, if you're overpowering everybody, maybe step back a little bit. Because some people are just really big personalities. They're not out to, you know, be jerks or, or try to ruin everybody else's fun, but sometimes people just do. So, yeah, just, so just remember everybody is the main character here, not just you. Uh, but, you know, care about your character, obviously. Basically, I say the, the philosophy is do the opposite of Pierce in that community episode. Everything he did in that episode was wrong, and that was the, <laughs> that was the whole joke. I'll scratch that out then. <laughs> Be the opposite of Pierce. I now transform him into a hideous beast. What kind of beast? Fat. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Such a funny episode, though. Yes. 
but it's a team game. It's a cooperative experience. <laughs> You're playing against the game master, not each other. I but seduce like him. Any- How do you seduce him? I seduce him with my words. What do you say? Come on, Abed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> Now, once again, that's uh, that's up to the game master, right? You can they could just say, "Yeah, I seduce him," and a game master would say, "All right, give me a give me a roll for I don't know persuasion." We'll say again, or they could make you play it out. They could make you play it out and give a roll as well. <laughs> it's all up to their discretion. But you said it makes me uncomfortable. I think you're quoting the episode. But it's also important to have yes. a se- a session zero. Uh, is what they call it. Uh, session zero is basically a meeting before a game starts where the game master and the players go over their boundaries together and say, okay, you know, so this is what the game's going to be like. This is how I run things. Is there anything you're uncomfortable with me bringing up? Uh, what subject matter should be off limits? Like, how how does everyone at this table feel comfortable most like what's what's the limits where we're all still having fun because there are some tables where you'll get that you know we'll get into really dark subject matter maybe you know it could be anything from well i won't give specifics i guess but it, it could just be really dark subject matter to just inappropriate jokes or humor uh and sometimes that'll be totally fine for for if you all are okay with that, then great. But also, don't try to shove those things in to a to a group that is uncomfortable with them. Once again, don't be that one guy who, even though you think okay, maybe a situation should go this way, or I would do that. There is a limit to my character would do that. Don't make real players uncomfortable, even though you would do it in game. So that's. Also something to consider, which I should also mention role play is optional. Once again, there's a lot of tables who don't like role play at all. They just prefer to go, they prefer to go straight numbers or just describe what they're doing. I'll, uh, I'll go over here and I'll do this. Okay. I'll, I'll go over here and I'll do that. Or you can do a, my table does a bit of both. You know, we go up and I say, okay, I'll, uh, I'll go into the tavern, find the barkeep and I'll, uh, I'll strike up a conversation with him. And then the DM. Might make a, make a funny voice. Oh, hey, how, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in town for a while. Oh, yeah, I've yeah, just been out uh, adventuring, you know. Uh, can I get a mug of ale? Oh, yeah, sure, that'll be a, that'll be a copper. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any, uh, anything going around town lately? Oh, yeah, just, uh, just the dragon. Uh, you're, you're a little coy about that. Uh, yeah, suppose I am. Are you the dragon in disguise? Yeah. <laughs> 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 it can be anything that's hilarious i love that that's where the improv part comes into play yeah once again you can if you're if you're comfortable with improv great if not you don't need to do that some players can do the improv some players cannot you don't all need to be on the same page i find the role play more fun personally to really get in the mind of the character you don't have to have a voice but that's fun as well sometimes people even dress up as their characters when they go to play it helps you get into the mindset of the character. It immerses you more in the game. It's not, what would I do like I'm playing a video game or something? It's, I am this person. Every word they say is coming out of my mouth. 
Uh, and that's also the fun of it when you can look at the stats, right? Because if you play uh, a character who maybe you're a really smart person, but your character is low intelligence, well, that's the fun of the game, right? In part, is that you as a smart person can see how something would go very wrong, but you're, a dumb character, you're playing a, a dumb character. So you're allowed to do stupid stuff, even if you as a person would know better, and that could lead to some really fun scenarios. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of examples here, but, okay, so it's not a dumb thing, but Justin's character, right? So he grew up in, uh, his character, Tora, grew up in a monastery, and she never used any money for her whole life. She's a, he's a, he plays a 12-year-old girl, right? But, uh, so she never used any money in her whole life, and she doesn't know how money works. So the first time somebody asks her to actually pay something, like, oh, okay, this thing's going to be a thousand gold. And she pulls like a hundred copper out of her, out of her bag. And she's like, is this enough? <laughs> she's like, she doesn't realize copper is worth like way less than gold. Cause nobody ever explained that to her. So like, yeah, you know, Justin oh, no. as a guy knows money's worth something, but him in character doesn't like, they'd never had to spend money before. So. Stuff like that. That's funny. Which can lead to funny scenarios. So, like, my character has to explain, okay, this is what a copper is worth. This is what a gold is worth. This is how the monetary system works in general. It, it leads to some funny moments. She doesn't understand how money works. Sorry, I come from a noble family. I've never had to spend money before. It's always <laughs> given to me. <laughs> that, that's a good example right there. You're, uh, you've just had everything... <laughs> paid for and like you have money on you but your servants have done it for you maybe your whole life you've never actually had to count out money yourself you like you don't really know the worth of things because everything nothing has really been worth anything to you because you've just had everything handed to you so now you actually have to gain a value for worth now that you actually have to budget and whatnot see that's a that's a good character development right there for a, for a noble potentially uh so let's let's get into a couple of your questions now i can get into some other stuff later um could you very quickly go yeah. over like each of the stats and what i mean by that just like the strength dexterity constitution intelligence wisdom charisma and just what are the basics of those why are they sure. important? Sure. Okay, so remember yeah. when I was saying before about all those different checks you have to do? Right? I gave mm -hmm. that. I ran down the whole list. So these are your main stats. When you're, when you're rolling your numbers to make your character, this is where it'll all go. Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. So let's say, well, I have my character sheet up right now. Uh, so I, am a, I started off as a ranger. So I have an 18 in dexterity. So if you look in the player's handbook or if you're just Damn. building a character online, that means I get a modifier of plus four. So with that plus four, I look at the list of skills and it does say stuff next to it, right? So that would mean, oh, let's look at one that has uh, dexterity. Okay, so like first on the list is acrobatics, right? So that would mean I get a plus four in acrobatics because that's my modifier. Acrobatics 
is a skill that's based on dexterity. And this is my modifier for dexterity. Gotcha, so that's gotcha. how I determine. And like I said, with those stats, that's the number you add to your dice. So give me an acrobatics check. You roll a d20. Okay, I roll my acrobatics check. Okay, I got a 16, and that's plus four. I got so an eight. I got, which is what you call, okay, that's, yeah. So then you <laughs> add your dexterity to that. Um, so there's other ways to modify that as well, but I can, that's a little more into the minutia. So that's the main idea of those core skills is that they are what give you modifiers to say, okay, I'm a very not strong character, so any skill that requires strength, I'm probably not going to be as good at or going to have a worse chance to succeed at it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's mainly what it's for. But it's also for your weapons as well. So say, for example, I'm a character that's mostly based on dexterity, right? So you're not going to see me swinging around a greatsword trying to... <laughs> You know, take on a dragon <laughs> hand-to-hand, right? Or wearing heavy armor and stuff like that. My character's not built for that. I don't have the strength for it. I'm a dexterous character, so I have to wear lighter armor, move nimbly, use weapons that don't require so much strength, like, uh, like short swords or, or bows, right? So what you're good at also impacts how your character moves and operates in combat. So different weapons have different bonuses depending on what you're good at and where your core strengths are. So say, for example, like I said, uh, like dexterity classes, good with ranged weapons. If you're like a paladin in the great armor, you could use strength. But if you're a magic user, you're probably more apt to use wisdom or intelligence. So that's basically what those do. Okay. Okay. Uh, do, 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 do. So say like your, your DMs, um, not saying you would, uh, cause I see in the skills list here, I also have, I've done a bit of research, uh, <laughs> but it's just easier to hear from another person, but say you yeah. weren't trying to do like a specific skill, but you just, <clears throat> like asked to do something for the DMing and he says, okay, roll me a constitution check or a intelligence check. You would go from like what your basic stats is like, say I roll, like it says for, for me, like if I would roll a strength check, it says plus one above just the initial stat. And if I, so I just roll whatever and say, I got like a 17 and I would just add one. All right, so let me look at, a, at something that would require. Uh, okay, so let's say you're doing, let's say you're in a in a heavyweight competition, or, right, or or something like that, and you're and you're like doing a, a deadlift or something. So the DM would say, okay, give me an athletics check, which is based on strength. So give okay. me a roll for give me a roll for that. Five. And that would be five, five plus, one. plus one. Yeah, and then he would tell you if it succeeded or not. How good did you do at the uh, at the deadlift? I would say for a six, your DM would probably say you reach down to the ground, grab the bar, <laughs> give a 
mighty heave and it doesn't budge. <laughs> Nothing happens. You strain your back a little, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, so just the like the basic stats, like say I have an intelligence of 15. Is that because if someone were to attack me for that would hurt my intelligence or just hurt like somehow something has to beat my intelligence it has to beat a 15 so that we go based on uh so for something like that that would go what's called saving throws Um, right okay so that is a separate category which you probably have a chart for on your character sheet yeah so saving throws are also based on those modifiers um and you can pick which one like i think you can pick a couple that you're like you're better at like for me i have um you can pick a proficient you can pick a proficiency to pick a saving throw mm-hmm. in uh proficiencies are another thing which we can get into later so you you have a better chance at some than others but let's say for um somebody was trying to let's say cast a spell on you or no let's say let's say somebody's trying to charm you or something and just like persuade you real good so i don't know they might say uh okay give me a charisma saving throw or something (laughs) so then that would just be okay can your number beat what they rolled to try to persuade you but that's a bad that's a bad example because it would be probably more magical based because like you as a role player can decide like that. That's a bad example, but the point is saving right. throws. Okay. Dexterity is a better example. So let's say, uh, you chose to dodge on your move and a projectile is coming at you. Give me a saving throw for dexterity. Uh, for dodge or what's it called? Yeah. Dexterity. So just a dexterity saving throw. Oh, so just roll the it's D 20 pl- and add your dexterity. And that's 19 plus one. That's 20. Yeah. It's a dirty 20. Uh, oh yeah. So there's a difference between it. (laughs) I like that. I know what a natty 20 is. Yeah. So nat 20 (laughs) is when you just roll a 20 straight on the dice, but a dirty 20 is when you numbers add up to 20. Uh, right. It's less, it's less powerful, less fun. But I guess uh, what my, my main question is, where does the base stat come in? Uh, like when does that come into play? It oh, doesn't. so it's just oh, it's just okay. to get your it's just to get you your modifiers. The modifiers are what's important. Ah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, that clears up so much. Yeah, yeah. So it's just bragging rights. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so the stats are important. Once again, when you're building your character, you do want those higher numbers because that gives you higher modifiers, which means you'll be better at more stuff. Uh, A lot of characters like to cheat a little bit and try to give themselves as high an array of numbers as possible because they want it's a fantasy and they want to feel badass and they want their character to be the most badass in the room. But there's another school of thought, which I'm more a part of, that says. It's okay, nay, good for your character to be bad at some things. Maybe to have negative modifiers if you really suck at things. Because even characters, it's just true to life, right? Any, nobody is good at everything. 
we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses, and in D&D, it's basically the same. Like, for my character here, I have a, I have a plus four modifier in dexterity, but I have a plus zero modifier in strength, which, hey, at least it's not a negative modifier, but I'm not doing any favors in strength either. I'm really fast and nimble, mm. but don't ask me to lift things. That's not my specialty. Yeah, sure, maybe I could cheat a little bit and roll enough times that, hey, I'm, I'm great at strength too. I'm strong, I'm fast, I'm nimble, I'm, I'm in- intelligent, I'm wise, I'm charismatic, I'm everything. But that's boring. Having weaknesses allows for some vulnerability in the campaign. It's like your character ends up in positions that they shouldn't always be in. It makes you strategize a little better. How can I get myself into a position where I play to my strengths and not my weaknesses? And when you get into a position where you have to play to your weaknesses, there's more tension. It, uh, it ramps up the, just the possibilities of, oh, things could go wrong. And if you succeed, it'll make it all the more triumphant. Interesting. Interesting. What is a proficiency bonus? Okay, so a proficiency bonus is based on your level, basically. It is basically like... Uh, so you, it depends on your character, depends on your race, it depends on how you've built things, really. But I feel like a lot bo- of your answer is going to be, it depends on what you've it does. chosen. <laughs> really, it does. It's, it's very variable. <laughs> But a proficiency bonus is essentially, like I said, based on your level, and it, it's basically depending on what you chose. It says you get to be a little bit better at certain stuff than others. So say, for example, my character is, um, let's say, skill, a skill check for stealth. Right. Mm-hmm. So stealth, I have a is a de- is based on. Oh, dexterity. I see. I see the. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So stealth is based on dexterity, which means I get uh, a plus four to that just immediately. But if I have a proficiency bonus of one and I chose to be proficient in stealth, then I get a plus five to stealth instead of plus four. So it's just it's just me being that much better at certain skills. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Wow, it's all it's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> um What is this plus 1 for initiative? Uh so initiative what's, Yeah, what's bit, a ro- Okay, so initiative is mostly for combat rolls. So whenever you get into okay. combat, uh the DM will say roll me for initiative. So you'll roll your d20. Right. And uh, initiative is based on dexterity. So it's basically who's the fastest to react in a combat scenario. Ah, uh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So gotcha. you'll, uh, you'll roll your d20, add your dexterity, and then the DM has a list of all the characters and NPCs that are involved in this combat. And then you just go down the list based on who rolled the highest and everybody starts taking their turns in combat. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I always um, find it funny for me because I have a plus four initiative, which once again, you could probably only get plus five or so if I was like the best. So plus four initiative is really good, but I still somehow end up not usually going that high on the list because I roll trash for initiative very often. 
which is comical because I should be great at it just based on the build. So funny things like that can happen all the time. Right. Okay. I think I'm, I think I understand. Oh, what's inspiration? What is that? Like inspiration points. It depends. (laughs) I'm just saying it for a joke (laughs) at this point. (laughs) So inspiration, some tables use it. Others don't. My table doesn't use it. So I'm not as well versed on it as other people might be. But basically a DM can award you points for being really good at role playing or uh or stuff like that or if they just think you you made a clever decision in character or they just respected something you did they can award you inspiration which you can cash in for something or other it helps you out at certain times oh your character's inspired here uh i believe inspiration might also come into play for bards because bards can award inspiration to others through their performance, uh, which grants you certain bonuses as well. That's more where you're where you find inspiration uh, when in practical play. But a lot of yeah, a lot of DMs don't bother giving you inspiration for for them, so uh, it it might never be used. For all you know, hmm. gotcha. Is okay, so when you do an attack, is an attack action different from a spell action? Or can you only use like one per turn? Like you can only attack yeah. attack with an action once, and then next turn you can do the spell. Okay, so there's three kinds of things you can do on a turn in combat. You have your action, bonus action, and reaction. So, if a move costs... Oh, and then you also have your movement. So you can... So you can do four things, potentially. uh, Depending on how you're built. So your movement's easy. You know, you'll have your speed up top. That's how fast you can go. uh, And you can move... So my speed is 30, so I can move up to 30 feet on a turn. Which is going to be calculated based on if Same. you have a board. If you have a board in front of you, they have little squares that are five foot squares. So you, you, that's how far you can you can tell how far to move your character just by looking at it. Is a square a foot in D and D? Five. Or... Square is five feet. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. So uh, so you can so you can move up to however far you, your speed can allow on one turn, and then let's say you have your action. So I'll say, all right, I'll uh, I'll take my I'll take my longbow out and fire a shot at that orc over there. So that's so that's my action. Uh, but as a bonus action, I'll say, all right, I'll uh, I'm gonna cast my hunter's mark spell to give me an extra damage bonus if I if I hit that uh, because that spell says it's a bonus action. Some spells count as full actions. They're just like, that's the only action you can use. Some are bonus actions. You can use it in addition. Reactions I haven't really had much experience with, but sometimes a reaction uh, is just, is something you can do. Well, once again, a reaction to something. 
different characters have different kinds. And uh, what was the what was the fourth one? I yeah, that, those are the four. So action, reaction, bonus action, movement are the four things you can do in combat. Okay, gotcha. Uh, da, 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 da. And an action is the most complicated one because there's all kinds of things you can do on your action. Most people choose to attack, but you can also choose to run double your speed. Like instead of uh, instead of attacking, I can say, all right, I'm going to dash and move double my speed. Or you can try to grapple somebody, hold them in place. Or you can try to knock them out cold instead of, uh, it, like, if you have that opportunity. Uh, like you and have that would be your whole you turn? Because that's a skill check? That would be your whole turn? Uh, skill checks don't uh, really apply in combat. It's a whole different oh. set of... Oh, okay. Yeah, skills... Like, the modifiers still apply to your weapons, for example. Okay. Uh, so, like, if I have a short sword, for example, that's, uh, that's a weapon based on my dexterity, because it's a finesse weapon. So I have a plus four attack bonus for my, lo- for my short sword, plus three in proficiency. So uh, my attack bonus is plus seven for that sword. Which means every time I roll my okay, I'm a I'm gonna slash at that orc with my short sword. So that's a D twenty plus seven. So every weapon's got a different attack bonus based on your stats, your proficiencies, uh, just the weapon itself, and then you roll for damage if you hit. So oh yeah, basic okay. idea of damage is your number has to equal or exceed the armor class. So my uh, character here has an armor class of sixteen. So if, um, if the DM, let's say that orc attacks me back, if that DM rolls a, a 16 or higher, I get hit. If he rolls a 15 or lower, I'm good for that attack. Mine Some enemies sucks. get a lot Mine's of attacks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you, if, I believe you told me your character's a druid. So you're not a character who yeah, should be up he's close. Out the way. And, yeah, you should be out of the way dealing magic from afar. Know your role. What if I'm mad? <laughs> if you're mad, go for it. But you'll face the consequences. Like I said, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but you might die. That's true. And the thing about death in D&D is that there's very few ways to get out of it. It's not a video game where you just respawn or do take backs. Once you do things, you've done them. You can't take them back. It's like moving your hand off a... Uh, off of, once you put your chest piece down if you take your hand off it that's it you're you've made you've committed and that's it if you die in D, your character's dead there are ways to bring the character back through resurrection magic or going on a whole quest sometimes or sometimes a, a more lenient dm will just bring you back from the dead for another chance but that's that's a little less fun personally if there's not a good story attached to that there has to be consequences for something as powerful as resurrection. But most people just accept the death in their own way. They'll, they'll grieve it. They'll just pass it off. Maybe they don't care about the character. Maybe they wanted to die so they could try something new. Maybe it's the most devastating thing that ever happened to them. But uh, you make a new character, come back next week, and move on. Mm. So, name of the game, like life, don't die. Don't do stupid things. Can you things, do it? 
can you do it where it's like in those uh party games that you can play like on your phone with uh and then on the screen where it's it's just like junior and it's all the same stats or is that boring <laughs> uh it's junior and all the same stats uh sorry, like it's it's t- it like you just rename the character oh is that uh, boring? yeah you hey you can do whatever you want you know a lot of people are like oh mm-hmm. i'm uh i'm his younger brother his younger twin brother who's the exact same but just a little different um gotcha those are the people okay. who can't let go and move on which once again hey uh, you know i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna judge you super hard up front maybe you do have a great story with that premise maybe you're you know, your character's twin who's the exact same does have an actually interesting motivation or spin that makes them different than the last guy, but usually it's just a little sad. <laughs> He's a little sad boy. Okay. Um, first, can we move on to spells, please? Uh, I hope not, but let's try. Oh. Okay. Not my area of well, expertise, but let's try. Well, it's just just the basics because I know we talked a little bit about this beforehand. But what's yeah. the difference between the cantrip spell and say like the first, second, and third level? Like, what's the difference between cantrip yeah. and then one through three? Okay, so spells are based on spell slots. So the more powerful a magic user you are, the more access to spell slots you have. So let's look at my character again. I have... um, So I think five is the most powerful magic you can get. Uh, so five level, slots? No, fifth, fifth level oh. magic is the most okay. powerful you can get. Uh, so the more powerful magic you can get, the less you can use it basically, because the game tries to stay balanced. You can't just spam your most powerful attacks all the time. So I have, um, my character's not that great with magic, but I have four level one spell slots and I have two level two spell slots. So, um, so that means I mentioned one of those spells already, Hunter's Mark. So if I use that, that means, okay, I used Hunter's Mark, therefore I expended one level one spell slot. Okay. And I have three more of those to use. All right. So then we got in, let's say, uh, that wore off. And then I got into three more combats that day. I used Hunter's Mark three more times. And now I can't use it anymore. I've used all my level one spell slots up. That sucks. But let's say uh, I didn't, I have one more spell slot to go. Uh, let's say I have another attack here, Hail of Thorns. So I have Hail of Thorns. I can use, that's a first level spell, but I can use it, I can cast it at uh, a spell slot for level one. So I can use one of my four up there. Or that's one of those abilities that's, that you can cast at higher levels. Or I can say, okay, maybe I'm out of uh, level one spell slots and I need to deal some heavy damage. So maybe I'll, I'll cast this at second level and use one of my second level spell slots so that I have less second level spell slots because like I said, it's the more powerful you get, the less you can use it, but sometimes they can deal, you can upgrade spells that way. You can use them at less powerful versions or more powerful versions. 
uh, to okay, deal more okay, damage okay. or be more powerful. So then um, you get so you get your spell slots oh, and cantrips. You can just use anytime. There's no limits on those. Oh, you have cool. they're unlimited. Uh, okay, so cantrips are useful. Uh, but you get your spell slots back after a long rest, which is so just a long rest, right? Not a short rest. Unless you're a warlock, warlocks get their stuff back after a short rest, but they're weird. Warlock equals OP. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's kind of the funny thing is you don't always take short rests, right? Right. In a, in a day, so you, the warlock is always the guy like, "Hey, can I take a short rest?" And everyone's like, "No, we're pushing through till we sleep no. for eight hours." <laughs> and they're like, "But I don't get my stuff back." Yeah. So, what's the difference between like it's weird because I'm going off of the app and the website here, but it doesn't yeah. really um tell you which spell is a prepared spell. I think maybe it's because it's light blue. Maybe it might be a prepared spell. But can you tell me like what would be the difference between a prepared spell and an unprepared spell? Like what would I have to do in order to use that sp- a spell that's unprepared? Because I okay, assume prepared so, means you can just use it, like, okay, at the so, start of your turn. Uh, okay, so prepared and unprepared is basically down to what does your character choose to do that day. You wake up in the morning, you get out your spell book, and you decide, okay, of the random number here, of the six spells I'm allowed to use today, which ones will I most need today, I think. So you pick, you prepare however many spells you can. And then sometimes the next day you'll wake up and you'll say, okay, I want these exact same ones. And then other times you want to unprepare one and then prepare a new one that you think will be more useful. So it's really and just that's after, this, that's after a long rest? After a long rest, you can switch out what you've prepared. How so, many spells can you prepare? Depends on the character. Different okay. classes have different limits. <laughs> uh, some okay. some don't f- even do pre- some don't even do preparation. Like mine, I have a very limited access to spells in general. I can't switch them out. It's a it's a strong limitation for my class. So right. what I have, what I have, I always have, but I'm stuck with them and I can't switch them. So, but other ones can just wake up after a long rest and switch their book out entirely. Like, great. You're more versatile than me. Yeah, it's hard It's hard to say, because, again, I'm going off the website. Just yeah. to, it doesn't really say... Wh- I have, like, I have a few unprepared spells, but it doesn't say... Oh, shit. I think I just accidentally turned it into a prepared spell. Whoops. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, so it's just, or I might have just accidentally fucking got rid of the spell by accident. Whoops. That's a a later problem. Oh, here we go. I found it. Prepared spells out of nine. There we go. I figured it out. Yeah, because you're a druid. Druids get a lot. Yeah. I figured it out. uh, That's uh, the part that was confusing me. Right, so, so yeah, the, the the people who don't know the the huge confusion that I had with Joe was uh 
It's like, why do I have so many fucking spells in my list? You're like, that's way too much. How's that possible? It's because some of them weren't prepared. <laughs> they were just yeah. stuff I know. There's just wasn't they're prepared. All, yeah, they're all there, but you can't use them all at once. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Um, I don't know how many more questions I have here. I have some funny ones. Okay. Can you kill a member of your own party? Yes. <laughs> have you done it? No. But I've indirectly caused the death of... <laughs> that, it wasn't my fault. I was there. I didn't get the shot off in time, and he died because of it. You're like Legolas in Helm's Deep. There are no, there are, shoot. There, there are multiple times where me and somebody else have been fighting. I got the opportunity to, you know, hightail it out of there and run, and then they died the right after out. I left yeah. the room. That's happened twice right now. So my character left got people a, to die <laughs> twice at least. Uh, oh, so Joe. my so my character's got a bit of a bad reputation that way, just because it's they were both accidents, and nobody blames me for running because like I had the opportunity. But like, look, there's a reason we're 28 sessions in, and I'm the only character who survived from the start. My character mm. does not do close combat encounters. I stay at range. I run when things get bad. Uh, if it's unwinnable, I'm not staying to finish the fight because that's dumb. Sometimes you got to know your limit, not push through. Because, like I said, in this game, you can die. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, you can kill a party member. But it's very frowned upon because people are very invested <laughs> in the characters that they make. And they might kill you in real life in retaliation. Oh, that's really funny. Um, have has there been like, is it there like a basic D and D that you have to play, or could you even do say a Lord of the Rings D and D or a or a Game of Thrones D and D? There are so many different versions of tabletop RPGs. D and D is just hmm. one game. Actually, there's there's so many different okay. uh, kinds of tabletop RPGs. Nothing like D and D. I mean, they all basically have the same general idea of a bunch of people cooperatively play for common goals, maybe a bit of role play here and there. But uh, some systems are mostly numbers based. Like I said, they, uh, they don't, they don't really like the role play at all. Some are completely role play heavy and you can modify D and D to your tastes. Uh, D and D fifth edition, which is the main one out right now. That's the most accessible to people who've never played tabletop RPGs before, so that's why it's a very popular one. And Dungeons and Dragons has that name brand recognition. But there's so many different kinds out there, all vastly different. Like I hear about some like uh like Call of Cthulhu is a uh is a popular one. That one's more based on like horror like horror fantasy. Right. Um there's other ones that are like based in the Star Wars universe and stuff like that. Like you said, there are more like branded ones where it's like D&D, but Star Wars. But then they also have uh, modified versions of D&D that are just like set in the Star Wars universe with the same D&D mechanics. I'd say the second most popular is called Pathfinder. 
which is actually based on an earlier version of D&D from like 20 years ago. And a lot of people like that better than current D&D. Some people even mm. don't even like the fifth edition of D&D. Some people play love first and second edition or third edition. Nobody likes fourth, though. Fourth is the black sheep. But there's all different kinds of systems to play. So you, you can tailor the system based on your preference. But for beginners, D&D fifth edition is uh, hard to go wrong with. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, wow, you're pretty good at explaining stuff. I don't know if I have any other questions. I thinking of. Have you ever played with a certain player once and then told them, never come back? <laughs> Not yet. But you haven't joined yet, so we'll see. Hey! <laughs> Just because I uh, cast Moonbeam too many times. <laughs> yeah, that does happen to people a lot. <laughs> you know, I I play with uh, you know close enough group of friends that we haven't we deal with our own problems internally. We haven't had to kick anybody out. We have had a lot of in group friction though. Mm. Sometimes stuff that happens in the game bleeds over into real life, which can suck and has caused some friction between us but we've you know we've gotten we've gotten over it it's like i told you before there was that character zanzibar who who justin played and his character was kind of impulsive and probably had some kind of version of asperger's and um was just kind of a general jerk and he was well-meaning and led to a lot of funny moments but he rubbed a lot of the characters and players the wrong way that character eventually died and got replaced. And everyone likes Justin's new character a lot more. But, you know, this is an example of, like, Justin's just playing his character, and it doesn't always gel right with the certain crowd. You know, that's, um... You can put that maybe a little on him for how he role-played it, sure, but he was just playing his character. And he wasn't going too far overboard or being inappropriate. He's just, you know, people just didn't, care for the character as much um so it's all about conflict mediation really can you deal with this person's behavior or is their behavior actively ruining the game and will continue to make it a bad experience for the table i should hope you don't ask people to leave as a first uh as a first <laughs> instinct but so i'd say if you can make it work make it work but some people just need to go. Right, Not gotcha. A good fit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I uh oh, I just realized something. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, you know when I was sharing my screen and I showed you that list of the spells that I prepared and why there was a fuck ton of them? Yeah. It's because these aren't the they're not the ones because there's a lot of multiple of them, and the reason why there's so much of them is because it can be a level like two, three, or four. Like it'd be multiple yeah. levels. So it's, it's one of those, I still technically one of those spells, have yeah. yeah, I still technically have nine prepared, but some are at different levels. But technically, my character can learn seventy-one. <laughs> Apparently, so Good for him. 
Never played uh, in my life, and I know 71 spells. Because <laughs> uh, I can't so I can't just join Joe's party with base level. I feel like I'd be a burden. Yeah, it's good to... If you're joining a party late, it's good to just make a character the same level as everybody else. What if I said fuck it and did max level? <laughs> uh, then at that point, you're just playing gods. A lot of people don't even like playing beyond... <laughs> A lot of people don't even like playing beyond level 14 for that reason. Because at a point, you just mm. become so overpowered that people don't even find it fun. How do you, uh, how do y'all give out, like, experience points? Is it by, like, the end of the campaign, or is it... Experience points are another one of those controversial things that there's multiple schools of thought on. Oh, My group, okay. Exp- some people, like, classic experience points level, oh, you kill this monster, you get experience for that you accomplish a thing you get experience for that my group prefers to go based more on the milestone model where Uh, as a as a group when you complete a certain when you get to a certain point in the story where the dm decides you could use a bump up in power they just decide to bump everybody up at this point because they've decided okay it's been long enough. We all we all earned it. Harder things are coming up. You it's it's a little bit more at the DM's discretion than um okay, you you killed that monster. Like some people love keeping track of the numbers too, right? They feel, okay, you know, I earned it. But a lot of people also feel like that just turns it into a grind. Like, okay, I'm just going to go out and kill as many monsters as possible just to get the experience points, like in a video game. Right. Whereas milestoning makes the players focus more on the story and the events than go out and kill everything to bump up my, not, my, bump up my numbers and stats. So, mm-hmm. once again, it's all down to the individual table, but I do like milestone system myself. If only because I don't have to write down as much. Yeah, Milestone seems a lot more simpler. Yeah. Because you don't have to deal with it. It's just your DM deals with it, and then you deal with the level up when he tells you to do it. Smart. Okay, well. I think I'm ready to play some D&D. Nice. Uh, Let's see, is there anything else? Well, let's see. Let's see if I'm ready. Oh my god. (laughs) I actually hit a one. No, it's a seven. Oh, thank god. Hold on, let me use the good dice. Well, they're both good, but you know what I mean. I think it's also worth mentioning that that whole, that nat one, nat 20 rule is, um, it's not an official rule of the game. It's, uh, it's kind of a house rule thing (laughs) that everyone just sort of accepts and thinks is a rule of the game. That's funny. Even long-term D&D players probably don't realize it's not an actual rule where not one's yeah. an automatic failure, not 20's an automatic success or a critical roll, in which case you get to roll multiple of your damage dice. So let's say, for example, you cast that one as a druid that we were looking at that got you like 96 damage. If you got a critical roll on that, you get to roll 18 I get to roll an 18? No, you get to roll 18 D... Like, so if you, got, if you cast that spell right. and it hit for 96 damage, and you got a... And based on this house 96. rule, if you got a natural 20 on that, 
then you get to roll 18d6 instead. Like Oh, that's shit, the, so it doubles. Like, it doubles the amount of dice you can roll on a damage if it succeeds. That's the power of a critical roll. So, but, wow. but, the DM can also use that. If this rule's in play, the bad guys can hit you that mm. hard, too. That's the catch. On a, of Interesting. A, of a, of a critical role, yeah. So it's everybody loves when the players get it, but when the DM <laughs> gets it, eh, it's not usually in your favor, let's say. Makes sense. I gotcha. Uh, I gotcha. I have a little note on the role of the DM here. Um, I just, I note that uh, the goal of every DM is to give the party what we call a tpk pause for uh any D players to laugh their asses off for i hope okay time per capita <laughs> total party kill nice good one joe <laughs> that's where they that's where they just wipe everybody out it's the thing it's the thing that everybody would remember it's the most memorable thing you could ever have happen to your group is a TPK. The encounter is so tough that everybody died. Oh, you know, death will happen on occasion. Everyone will be sad about that. Multiple people might die sometimes. But a TPK, that's something special. When everybody got wiped clean across the board. Say for example, <laughs> D&D is the game where it is possible. For you to face the big bad evil guy, BBEG, we call them, and you're on, you're in the final fight. This is the end of the campaign. You've been playing for like two years, maybe. You're you're right at the end, and uh, everybody dies. The end. Oh God. That can happen. It that it's a possibility. Alternatively, everyone makes their characters. They're very excited. Level one. First encounter, TPK. Theoretically, everybody can die in session one or against the final boss or anywhere in between. Doesn't matter. Death is around every corner. You cannot escape it unless you're very lucky. Have you uh, died before? Me? No. And they, uh... uh... I have not. Well, yet. look at you, because you keep running away. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna brag about my my best escape from death, where I had to uh, get on this rickety wooden sled down the mountain with a dragon chasing me. Every nobody else even came up the mountain. I went solo, which was a well. That's another lesson. Don't split the party if you can help it. Everybody should stick right. together if possible, unless you're being like. Me in this game where the party got split anyway, and I was stubborn and then split it for, we split into half, we split into halves, and then the other half didn't want to come with me, so I went all the way up the mountain, fended off these guys on my own, and my goal, my one goal was to get the dragon down to the bottom of the mountain, so that all the, all the knights and the rest of my party could kill the dragon. That was my one job. So I have this fireworks wand. I'm right at the top of the mountain. These guys are like, okay, well, we want the dragon's horde and we don't care what happens to you. So if you can get it out of here, whatever. Okay, we'll let you do that. (laughs) So they give me this rickety wooden sled 
at the top of the mountain. I fire my fireworks one. The dragon starts chasing me, and I'm just, I'm just skiing down this mountain now with no plan other than I need to get this thing to the bottom. And the DM was being a hard ass about this. He made me roll about eight separate times down this mountain. Any one of which I failed would have been an instant death. Holy shit. And I succeeded on all of them, somehow. And even at the very end, when we got to the bottom, the group was like, I had no plan. This was me being stupid. Um, I didn't know how to... I just assumed it would, like, go at the... um, It would be like an incline where I could just, you know, casually keep going at the bottom of a mountain like you do at the skiing hill. And then the guy was like, no, no, that's not it. (laughs) Like your your sled's going to crash on the rocks and break into a million pieces. You're going to die instantly. How do you get out of this? And then, okay, maybe this is cheating. Maybe it's a little frowned upon. And I'll talk about metagaming a little bit right after this. You tipped so the whole five group, bucks. <laughs> yeah. So the whole, so the whole group, kind of got together and we were all brainstorming. How did we get me out of this alive? What can we possibly do? And we had all these ideas. Like I, I felt like Spider Man and Spider Man Two, right? Because I take out my, I take out this pole of extending, slam it into the ground, and try to slide it, and it just like, it doesn't slow me down at all because I'm going like Mach One at this point. Uh. <laughs> I want to do the Spider-Man thing also where I do like the web shooting at the building to slow myself down. I'm like, I'll just tie my arrow up to a rope and uh, do that. And they're like, (laughs) nope, he's going to be a meat crayon or a cloud of mist uh, if you try that. And then Justin came up with the idea. What if you what, what if you shoot the arrow in the dragon right behind you? Oh, with the rope attached. And I'm like, okay. So I tie the rope up to myself, aim for the dragon. And once again, I don't know if I can hit the dragon. I, this is like, if I miss this roll, I am dead. I don't even know what the <laughs> dragon's armor class is, right? But I have this clockwork amulet, which gives me an automatic plus 10. And because I have a plus 9 attack on my longbow, I can... I, I basically was guaranteed a 19 without even rolling. So I'm like... I can only use this ability once a day, and I need to do it now. I don't know if the dragon has a 19 armor class. I hope to God it does. Arrow sticks in the dragon's shoulder, and just as the dragon gets to the bottom of the hill, it swoops up, pulling me with it. The sled crashes into a million pieces. I slide down the rope, narrowly missing a tree, and like dive roll to the ground just as the knight starts slashing at the dragon. We killed the thing in two turns. I didn't get a single shot wow. in for the rest of I didn't get a single shot in for the rest of combat. The fact that I made it off that mountain alive was the victory for me. I didn't get to shoot the dragon once. That was it. Just getting nice. it down and off the mountain alive. Like sometimes that's what D D is. Just a string of lucky rolls and thank God you're alive at the end of it. That's like my favorite moment I played in the last year with my group. <laughs> I'm like, how did I even survive that? I don't know. Now, do you think me being a dragonborn could convince the dragon to be a friend? <laughs> no. Damn. <laughs> even if I cast persuasion? <laughs> Feel free to 
Uh, it says uh, Matt Mercer is famous for saying, you can try. <laughs> well, I have a plus three persuasion, so. Uh, now, that does transition me in talking about metagaming, which is a very frowned upon practice in the D&D community, or tabletop <gasps> RPG Are we speaking community. blasphemy? Yeah. Yeah, metagaming is basically the idea of meta-knowledge using... It's the uh, imaginative equivalent of screen peeking in a co-op, in a, in a couch co-op game. Mm. Okay. You as a player usually know more than your character does at any given time. You probably played D&D before. You run into a monster, let's say. You as the player, being a total nerd, probably know the exact weaknesses of said monster, how to defeat it. Exactly. Your character realistically might not. Probably would not. If they're uh, low-level adventurers, it's bad practice to use what you know when your character would not. That's right. The, basically, the, that's the closest you can come to cheating in this game, really. Besides maybe using loaded dice, I don't know. Using your meta-knowledge is, is just not cool, if you can help it. Like, sometimes things slip in, and you can't, always, you can't always help it. You're not always that conscious. But you have to keep in mind, what would your character know or do in this scenario? Because if it's, it's not always what you would do, because they don't know things all the time. Or, or it's, okay, an even more annoying example is, uh, let's say, for my party again, right? My character who I guess I'm just, I'm just dragging through the mud here at this point. But, uh, so let's say that, that character who died, right? The one that I ran out on. We weren't supposed to be where we were. We already lied to the other party members about where we were going just so they wouldn't follow us because they told us specifically not to go there. So when he died, I stole all his stuff, went out in the night and sold it the next morning came back to the party and said, uh, yeah, he just, he, 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 he abandoned the party uh, because you guys were all dicks to him and he was sick of it and he just left. Holy shit. And, and having the context of like the last couple sessions before when they, like, like I said, his character wasn't that popular and they were kind of dicks to him. Like, that was a very believable thing to have happened that he would have just left. But my character, I'm lying to them because I'm like, well, if I tell them what actually happened, that we weren't somewhere we weren't supposed to and they died, like, we're up against a pretty serious threat. They need to still trust me. And if I tell them the truth, they're going to think I'm reckless or irresponsible. They're not going to trust me. They can never know. Funny enough, this isn't the first time I've lied about something important either. Remember I told you before about how we assassinated the mayor by accident the second session? We never told them yeah. about that either. I kind of broke the mold on, and this, this kind of pissed off the party, but I kind of broke the mold on Are my these character. guys not playing with you, or were they not in the session at the time? They were there, but that's what I'm getting at, right? They know... That's the meta. They know we, the character died... And I'm lying about it. And then they right. start kind of playing it like, 
Like, they're asking me things they wouldn't ask me because they shouldn't be suspicious of me, really. My story is airtight enough that they really shouldn't be suspicious of me, but they're bringing... They're trying to get answers out of me knowing that I am lying to them, which we tried to put a bit of a lid on because I, I pointed that out. I'm like, you shouldn't know that you shouldn't be asking me these things because this is you asking me these things and trying to paint me as a liar. But you don't, your character wouldn't know that. You wouldn't even be thinking that at this time. So like, let me off the hook. <laughs> which they eventually did. Uh, although there was a great moment later on when somebody cast Zone of Truth on me, which is basically just like a lie Yes, detector. I know what that you, is, yeah. <laughs> you can't lie in it. And the character who was already a little bit suspicious of me at this point, she asked me, she stares at me, and she says, Mouser, is there anything you want to tell me? And I just say, No. <laughs> that's so funny uh, i did i did have to reveal something there she did squeeze some information out of me but the point oh. is you don't have to be truthful with your own party but like point down to metagaming is y you got to be careful about what you know and uh and what your characters know and even if you're like actually bitter about stuff your party members are hiding from you, which once again, you can you can do that. Nobody, ha your characters don't have to all be cooperative. My character is like it comes from a sneaky background. He's not very trusting with people. You don't have to be upfront about all information all the time. Your character can keep secrets. Maybe those secrets will have consequences down the line. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe it'll be damaging their relationships. It could lead to an interesting story. I mean, don't do it just because you're being a dick unless your character's doing it just to be a dick. But once again, there could be consequences to that. Uh, but like, you don't... It's all, it's all about the, uh, the experience of it and how actions have consequences and what happens when the truth comes out. And just, just pretend you're the character in, in, uh, in every scenario. As best you can. It's hard to do, but just try. Mm. Wow. Wow. Now we know who you are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they yeah, call man. my character, my character is Mouser Lyadon. The group sometimes calls me Mouser Lyaton. Because I thought I, that's yeah. what your name was for a second. <laughs> yeah. I just, I have a habit of keeping secrets no actually no what i do i don't keep secret lies i have truth everything i say which is, true. is better than a full lie <laughs> yeah Some would I, say. I go to the i go to the obi-wan kenobi school of what i told you was true from a certain point of view from a certain point of view yeah all right joe rolling d20 for you to tell me the truth it's a not it's a six <laughs> I'm very truthful all the time. That's a lie, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but your character doesn't know that because you couldn't. Oh, it. right. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah, that is hard. Damn. <laughs> there you go. I'm smarter than my character. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so the, do you have any other the questions? Podcast, the podcast I was listening to about 
um, or not the podcast, sorry, the playthrough that they were doing, the campaign, someone was doing a, uh, <laughs> like, using a ballista to shoot at a giant, and they rolled oh, a yeah. one. So they're like, so the ballista explodes and you fall backwards into the, <laughs> and you deal like a bit of damage. Like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, this thing here near the health, it says like, or on, on a sheet here, it says hit dice 78 or yes. seven. What does that mean? So hit dice are... All right, how to explain hit dice. All right, so every character has certain dice they use to determine their their health, their hit points. Right. Um, so depending on your level, every level you use that dice to... Uh, so as a ranger, for example, I get... Uh, I determine my level ups with a d10. So I roll a d10 every time I level up to get my hit points. So every level up... As a ranger, I get one extra D10. So right now, I, um, I have five levels in ranger, which means I get five D10 hit dice. Which means on a, on a short rest, I can spend those hit dice and try to gain a little health back. Oh. Okay. So it's an opportunity to get a little bit of health back. And those, when you use them up, they do replenish a little bit after long rests. Okay. So if you, if you don't happen to have any health potions or anything, uh, you're a little you bit desperate. You can use the hit dice. Yeah. That's what that's for. And you can only use those like a few times per you can turn, use as, I guess? You can use as many as you got. Okay. But they don't replenish very fast. Uh, I think you get half the hit dice back after a long rest or something like that. Yeah, or half mine... The hit dice you, or half of what you used, something like that. Yeah, mine right off the bat says, because of the level I started, 7d8. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So that means you would get... If you needed a little health back, you get 7d8 and... Uh, and that's only during whatever. that's only during a rest or a short rest. I believe it's only during a short rest you get to use those. Gotcha. Um and you don't have to use them all. You can use one if you just need a little bit of health back. Oh, you can use I all see seven what you're saying. You're really oh, okay, yeah. so I don't Gotcha. Yeah. So, okay. You get to Yeah, you get to pick and choose. But a long rest will bring you all the way up, right? No matter what. Uh I think Depending. it only brings you half Half of what you use for a long back. rest, yeah. Of that's why I hit dice. Okay. That's why I hit dice. So you got to use sparingly because you don't always have access to them. So how would you like say after like a day, even doing a long rest won't bring you all the way back up to like max health. A long rest will bring you back to max health, but it won't restore all okay. your hit dice necessarily. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was asking about the health, not the hit dice. Yeah. How would you restore the hit dice? Multiple long rests if you used a lot of them. Oh, okay. If you used a couple, you'll get back. You'll get them back after one, probably. What are these death saves? And I'm seeing here on the sheet, it's like three successes or three failures. Like Ooh, you, now you're you, getting you check them off. You're getting into fun stuff here. Okay. So if your character goes down, you have your health points, right? Right. So if you so if your character hits zero, 
You go mm-hmm. unconscious. And when you're unconscious, you have to roll death saves until you become conscious uh. again. So when you're unconscious, a couple things can happen. Uh, a character can do some medicine checks on you or heal you. They can stabilize your condition so you're still unconscious, but you're stable. But if you're unconscious and unstable, you got to roll death saves. And a death okay. save is extra fun because you take your d20 <laughs> and, uh, okay, so Ryan, it's your turn. Roll me a death save. 13. Success. So that's one. <gasps> so that, okay. So that's one success. So then the cycle would continue. And then, and then next come, turn I do it again. And then, then it will come back to you. Roll me Three. That's a failure. So it goes plus ten or mi- so it's over ten or minus ten. Okay, here we go. Five. Fuck. Uh oh. Two failures, one success. Seventeen. Two successes, Woo-hoo! two failures. Twelve. Success. You're Alive. stable. <laughs> yeah. But if you get three failures, you die. Does anybody know necromancy? <laughs> Nobody still alive in my group. Shit. <laughs> Can you bring me to a cleric to bring me back to life? We happen to lack a cleric at the moment. But yeah, Can that's you what find that's one. Bring my dead corpse. <laughs> so that's what death saves are in a nutshell. If you're unstable, it's basically letting chance decide whether you end up stable or dead. And Justin, when his character died, that was a very, that was a very hard, a hard one because he got a nat 20, which is an instant revival, by the way, <gasps> but a nat one's instant death. Oh, so, so he, uh, so he rolled a couple of his death saves, got a nat 20, raised him back up just as I ran out of the room. And then the mimic turned back onto him. Knocked him down again, <laughs> and then he failed the rest of his death saves. So what was even worse is that he made it back up and then died right after Just to that. die? How much yeah, health do you was... get after a death save? One. Wait, if you get back up with a nat sorry? 20? sorry? <laughs> or just, Wait, a, yeah, d- either or. If you get back up with a nat 20, you get one. One HP. If you... Excuse me? <laughs> if you just succeed... If you just straight succeed, you're still unconscious at zero. Oh, someone has to wake you up or? Yeah, after the combat usually. Or they'll stabilize you or they'll, or they'll heal you. That's a good time to use your hit dice if you don't have any potions laying around or you're not close to a healer. When you're unconscious. Unconscious. After, after you wake up. After you wake oh. up. Um, yeah, so don't go down if you can help it. That's, uh, I'll stay my distance. That's not fun. Every time you go down, there's a chance you could die. If you don't have a healer present and accounted for. I think this character is a healer because he has plus, plus five medicine. Uh, that just means you're good at medicine. Doesn't mean you're a healer. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No, I do have a spell. I think it's cure wounds. Yes, Somewhere that is handy. Here. That is needed. Where is it? It is very needed. Where is that bastard? There it is. And I can think I can do it all the way up to level four. I can. <laughs> yes. If I so feel like it. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, you're, maybe the guy is pissing you off. 
Maybe I'm dying unconscious and you're like, well, he pissed me off. I, I don't care if he lives or dies. See how you know what's really decides. funny? It's You can find all the information on the website or on the app that it's like the same thing. But yeah. uh, like say, like I found how many spells I could prepare on the site pretty easily. But here on the sheet, can't really find it. I think it's because <laughs> it's like, Go look it up in the handbook. <laughs> I think that's what the sheet's trying to tell me to say. <laughs> no, see, that's that's what the problem you run into, because you can only find so much official information online. It's all really? in the handbook. Right. I yeah, know I, I ran into some... that version in the, in the website, but yeah, I'll see if I can find it. If, you, yeah. if you look hard enough, I'm sure you can find it, but I ran into some research roadblocks myself, and enough that I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to get the handbook, and it's all there. Whenever I want to find it, I don't need to go down rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair. All right. But, oh, yeah, going back to the role of the DM, I do want to clarify that they're not the enemy. They, right. they are the bad guys, and, you know, they play all the bad guys, all the antagonists. Maybe they murdered a whole bunch of you. Maybe they even TPK'd you. But the goal of the DM is to guide you along a story that'll hopefully emotionally invest you. They're the ones who keep the thing on track, make sure you don't get way too far out of left field or wander aimlessly. They're the ones who keep you entertained. When the players aren't entertaining themselves, the DM is the one who gives you the push to keep going. Uh, They're the ones who make the calls. Their, Their ultimate goal is just the enjoyment of their table. If players are having fun, they're doing their job. So that like that that's the thing. Don't see them as the enemy because they're just trying to bring you into their world and tell a good story. And they work so hard. Frick do they work hard. They they have to plan out everywhere you go. They a lot of them plan out like all, they have to research all the lore of every city you go to. Sometimes a lot of them plan out all the NPCs as well. They have to make up funny voices, try to stay consistent, try to keep up with all the random names of people, answer all your stupid questions, usually with improv, which they then have to remember later down the line, especially if it becomes irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I a saw hard some, job. I saw one DM had like a stack of sticky notes beside him just to like give yeah. out. Whenever he needs to. It was mostly they because p- they were dealing with mind flares and like you hear a voice say this. Right. You hear They've also got to prepare the maps as well. And some of Oof. those maps can get pretty intricate. That's where I would fail uh, because unless I was rich and just bought all the fucking like Dwarven Forge stuff, I'd be terrible at like drawing the maps. Yeah. Uh, sometimes my DM prints them out. Sometimes he makes them to scale on his table. That's cool. Um, he's also got a crap ton of minis, which he also he does. He paints the minis as well. Uh, he's very prepared. Uh, so shout out to you, Joe. Uh, <gasps> another Joe. Another one. Yeah, it's surprisingly uncommon. I haven't met many in my life. Uh, yeah. So that's mostly oh, okay. But what a bad DM can be. I will say a good DM prioritizes their enjoyment of their, of their party. A bad DM, like I told you up top, can make or break a game. So examples of DMs that 
are not good traits. Uh, egotists who prioritize their story above your enjoyment. Some, like I said, they work very hard to craft a very intricate world, which they want to share with you. But sometimes they will force it down your throat and not let you do your own thing. Uh, they basically, they, it's like they're telling you more of a novel instead of presiding over a cooperative adventure. It's less you playing the game, more they really want to tell you this story and they won't let you not hear it. That's bad. Right. Uh, very similar to that is railroading, which is when DMs, if things are going off the rails, which so often happens in D&D, a DM can roll with it, see where it goes. You might end up with a campaign completely different to what you expected. Uh, for example, like I said, in my campaign, third session in, we murdered the mayor of the first town by accident. And funny story there. But after we murdered the mayor, another mayor took over who was way more hardcore, changed the makeup of the town such that they brought in a local militia, which ended up saving our asses when the dragon attacked town, which if the other guy was still in charge would never have happened. So we inadvertently saved the town by killing the mayor or at least made our chances way better. It, which led to just, it was a whole other thing. Um, so yeah, sometimes railroading can be okay to point care players in a good direction when they're being too aimless. Well, okay, there's a difference between doing that and outright railroading, which is just always forcing them on a single-minded trajectory, not really letting them do their own thing, and always trying to keep them back on track whenever they deviate. That's not. That's not good. You're taking the choice out of the game. And the game's all about choice. Right. So. Uh, oh, yeah. Another thing. Don't I'll, try not to be a rule lawyer either. Mm. That, that annoying guy who's like, um, actually, the rules say uh, <laughs> this is. Shut up. <laughs> actually, you're wrong. And this is why. And once again, it, dep it depends on your table. Some tables really love the rules and the minutia. Others are a little more lax. Like in my table, we don't really focus so much on things like, okay, maybe I fired 20 arrows in the last combat, but there were only 21 in my quiver. I don't keep mm. count. We just oh, say whatever. Or we're going down the road and we're like, oh, we haven't eaten today. Our characters should, you know, realistically need to eat and drink. We don't keep track of rations and stuff like that either. Like, a lot of tables find that more immersive. Some would love to play like that because it brings you more into the world. Um, I wouldn't mind. That's one of those ones I wouldn't mind playing like that, but we just don't. And how we play is fine too. Um, but yeah, don't be the rules lawyer who's like, it has to be this way because the book says. The book even admits it's like, be pretty lax. Like, do, like, do your own thing, man, basically, is how the rules are. I think one of the first editions of D&D &D was like, this is a, a loose set of guidelines, not a hard and fast list of rules. 
that's where homebrew comes into play. Like you can tailor it a lot to your own tastes. As long as everyone at the table agrees by the house rules. That's important. That's good. Yeah, yeah. seems like a lot of fun. I uh, hope to play soon, because yeah. I've got that itch. Yeah. So the, funny, the final thing uh, I want to say is I want to leave off with a uh, paraphrase of a great quote I saw about it's a meme I saw about D&D, which basically encapsulates what it actually is. And it basically goes, everyone expects their game of D&D to end up like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> but in reality, it usually ends up more like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's D&D in a nutshell. That's freaking awesome. It's so accurate. I'm very excited to see the movie this week when it comes out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun to watch. I want to watch it. Yeah. So there was a review I saw where it was like the most Chris Pine uh, movie Chris Pine has ever been in, which, you know, sounds good. (laughs) All right. This is, I think, our longest episode yet. Um, Holy shit. Don't worry, 20 minutes of it was me trying to find shit. Just looking for that notebook, (laughs) yeah. Alrighty, well, uh, you can find... Go ahead. Hope you all enjoyed. Yeah. Mm. That's it. Well, you can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Thoughtplay Media. Also, check out the Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. See ya. If I hit and a D20, you have podcast, to subscribe. Yeah. <gasps> I'm one. not even kidding. I I literally hit a D20. I'm not joking. And I hit a one. So what's that mean? <laughs> that means nothing happens. <laughs> okay, so that means... I, so I guess that means I failed. Uh, all right. That means you have to. That means you have to unsubscribe from your own channel. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right.